1: woman clap. (laughs) Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our service today. I am excited to be here on this first Sunday of Black History Month. For those of you who do not know me, I am Reverend Kelly Kincaid, the senior minister here, as Lauren said, at this fabulous church. (laughs) I'm going to start off with our announcements, and then we will continue with our service for today. First of all, I want to invite you all to join us today for our fellowship gathering after service at 11 a.m. It will be on Zoom, and I'm looking forward to seeing everyone's smiling faces. It's time to renew your membership again. Um, Our bylaws say that every year, in order to reactivate your voting privileges, you have to renew your membership. So I'm asking you all to do that by today because next week will be our annual meeting. And what this will do is this will update our records as well, and it will also give me an updated membership count for my annual minister's report that I send to Unity Worldwide Ministries. I'm looking forward to letting them know how we are growing. Aren't you, aren't you guys? <laughs> if you have any questions on how to sign up, you can call Matthew at 248-737-9191, or you can email him at businessmanager@unityfh.com. at unityfh.com. But all you have to do is go to our website, unityfh.com, click on About Us, and when that membership form opens up, fill that out, hit submit, and you've been renewed. Or if you want to become a new member, you can uh, become a member that way as well. So like I said, next week is our annual meeting on Zoom at 11.30 a.m., The agenda has been already emailed to everyone last Wednesday, and that included the nominees for the Board of Trustee election. So if you haven't already renewed your membership, please do so, so you can have your, uh, you can reactivate your rights rights to vote during the annual meeting. The men's group meets again on Saturday, February 19th at 10 a.m. I heard that there was a great discussion in the last meeting, And so, I want to let you all—all of the men—know that you are all welcome to participate. Have a feeling there's going to be another great discussion this um, this month as well. So, Sunday the 19th, 10 a.m. on Zoom. Our next trivia uh, fam—trivia, well, family fun trivia night is also on February 19th. It'll be at 7 p.m., and everyone is welcome to join us. We always have a good time. We have fun. Uh, answering the questions and trying to win, but we also learned some fun facts and trivia. Are you guys the winners again? Buried Alive? I think it's Buried Alive that uh, the Barry family are the winners again. <laughs> so, so we're going to come after you. <laughs> I, I'm very competitive, <laughs> if you guys hadn't noticed. But we have a good time. So I invite you all to join us, and please invite others as well. Because of the annual meeting that will be next week, the women's group will be on Sunday the 20th on Zoom at 12.30 p.m. It, is, um, it was fun last month, learning about everybody, learning more about everybody. And so we're gonna continue that discussion this month. So I invite you all to join us for this uh, discussion as well so that we can listen to each other and celebrate our uniqueness together. For the links to uh, our weekly activities and our meetings, events, also to act- access the Veterans uh, resource page, and also our next-door uh, resource page. Go to our um, website, unityfh.com, or you can read through the weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday afternoon. and to sign up for the newsletters or an email blast, or to change your email in our system. You can go to our website, scroll down to the bottom of the home page, and right there you can fill out that form, and it will put you in our system. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment with me to talk to me or for prayer, feel free to email me at seniorminister@unityfh.com at unityfh.com, or you can call the church at 248-737-9191. If I don't answer, please leave a message because I will call you back. Um, and you can also... Email your prayer request to our prayer ministry. The email is prayerchaplains at unityfh.com. The prayer chaplains and I, after we prayed over your request for 30 days, we send it to Silent Unity. And I want to thank our prayer chaplains, Roxanne Berry, Eileen Lindbergh, and Lynette Kelly for your sacred service to our spiritual community. It is greatly appreciated. Well, this concludes our announcements for today. I hope I got everything. Um, and now as we listen to our music team sing "Surely the Presence, let's open our hearts and our minds to hear the daily word and for the opening prayer. So, the daily word for today, Sunday, February 6, 2022, is dominion. Claiming dominion, I am calm and confident. And the message reads, I am a powerful spiritual being endowed with dominion, the authority to take command of my thoughts, words, and actions. Even as I work to change my circumstances, I remember that I am not constrained by what is happening around me. Claiming dominion, I choose my response in all situations. I live with poise and confidence. I claim dominion over my thoughts and feelings. When I recognize limiting thoughts, I train myself to affirm my spiritual power and freedom. Divine wisdom guides me. I feel the strength, Of the indwelling Christ's presence, moment by moment, thought by thought, as I use my dominion to establish a positive, fulfilling direction for my life. And today's scripture comes from Genesis, it's chapter one, verse 26. Then the Lord said, Let us make humankind in our likeness, according in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. Let us pray. So I invite you to gently close your eyes with me and take a deep breath. And just allow your attention to float down right into the center of your chest. Acknowledging the beautiful, indwelling Christ. God, as we acknowledge you, We acknowledge that you are that one power and that one presence that is always and forever active in our lives and in the universe. That you are God, the good omnipotent. That we are one with you. That we co-create our lives through the thoughts that we hold in mind. And that it is our intention, God, to do our best to stay aligned with your presence through prayer and meditation, through denials and affirmations, and through having a love affair with you, loving you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And so we surrender today everything. Open our hearts, open our minds, and become willing. Willing to hear your message. Willing to understand. And willing to live as more powerful expressions of God in the world. And so as we take another breath and breathe in deeply. exhale deeply we allow ourselves to settle down just for a little bit feeling and communing and experiencing your presence hearts are filled with gratitude God we thank you for your divine gift of love that loves us no matter what for your grace and your blessings that are always there in the mighty name and nature of the Christ within we pray and so it is Amen. That always makes me feel so peaceful. (laughs) Let us go ahead and affirm our statement of being together God is all, both invisible and visible. One mind, the presence, one mind, one power is all. (laughs) This one that is all is perfect life perfect love, and perfect substance. I am an individualized expression of God. I am ever one with this perfect life, perfect love, and perfect substance. Whew. And let's affirm our U of H growth affirmation as well, knowing that it is working together. We give thanks for our expansive congregation that fills our halls sanctuaries, and classrooms with seekers of unity truth, hearts with love and joy, and provides us with all of the necessary resources to co-create a loving and compassionate, spirit-filled world. And now we'll have our first special song, and I'll be back with our message.
0: of heights to the depths of the sea, creations revealing your majesty. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring,
1: I really like that song. I wish we had our congregation here so I could say, let's give them another hand. <laughs> let's give them another hand. Um, that was a beautiful song. Thank you again, Michael. Thank you all um, for always picking the most powerful ways to stir up the spirit inside and also um, to stir up the Holy Spirit in here. I'm, uh, I'm moved. Thank you so much. Ha! Ah. I'm trying to catch up with God. Um, so <laughs> I, when Howard and I got married a couple years ago, we going on three years ago, his uh, co-worker gave us both some mugs, and I was looking at my mug this morning, and I thought it was kind of cute. It says, I don't need Google. My husband knows everything. <laughs> and so I started looking up some other funny little um, quotes that are on mugs, and there's another one I saw that was hilarious. And it made me think about, you guys might, he might come to your mind too. Give a man a fish and he will eat for a day. Tell him, teach him how to fish and you'll get rid of him for the entire weekend. (laughs) And another one, (laughs) when I get a headache, I take two aspirins and keep away from children, just like it says on the bottle. (laughs) And there was one last one that says, I try to avoid things that make me fat. Like scales, mirrors, and photographs. <laughs> when I was reading that, I thought it was funny. <laughs> I wanted to share it with you all. <laughs> I need to stop myself. I, I get started. <laughs> I get started like the one with the children one. That was hilarious to me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I honestly think Jesus had a sense of humor, for real. I honestly think Jesus did. So, uh, and when he says to be, have the heart of a child, you know, to have a heart that's like a child, that means to be open and free and flexible. And so I, I love opening up when I can with some type of funniness. <laughs> oh, man. So we have been in the journey of the Sermon on the Mount these last several months. And we are in the last chapter in Matthew that has the, that... Um, contains the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew chapter 5, and it goes to chapter 5, through 5, 6, and 7. And we've been going all the way through. And I love this because this sermon really details Jesus' ministry. And so we started off our... We started off um, how Jesus opened our consciousness by his very act of moving up on the side of the mountain and then sitting down... And as he sat down, he sat down in his truth, and then when the disciples came around and gathered around him, we were saying also that back in the day that the teacher always sat and the students stood. And so what it means with the, to have the disciples gather around, it means that, they all, that the 12 powers that represent the disciples stand up and are enli- enlivened when we root ourselves in the truth, in those moments that it seems overwhelming, or even in the moments where we just want to study the scriptures, or even in the moments when we want to pray. Every time you settle down, like that's why we take a deep breath and settle in our heart, because when you settle in your heart, you root in the consciousness of Christ. And then every part of your consciousness will conspire to co-create that which you speak out. Jesus was telling us about his ministry, and he, showed, he shared his ministry with us because his ministry contains the gems that we need to live in the kingdom of God, and that's what we're here to do, live in it. we're made in the image and likeness of God to co-create the image and likeness of God in this world, and so we're going to move into chapter 7, and I'm going to be reading uh, chapter 1 through 6, I may do 6, we'll see, I'm going to let God guide us with this. But the beginning of this, in chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. And in verse 2, for you will be treated as you treat others. And in some of the other scriptures, with, um, in the other versions, it may say that you will be treated by the, in the measure that you uh, treat others, is the measure that you will be treated back, is how it's actually the, well, it's here. The measure you give will be the measure you get back. I love it when they got the, in the footprints, Not the footprints, the footnote. And then you go on to read in verse 2, the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, this is very powerful. I'm going to read the rest of it, and then we're going to dive into it. Because Jesus, like I said, always sets us up. He gives us these principles. He gives us these um standards to live by, and then he tells us how to use them in life. And so we're going to be revisiting a couple of the scriptures in the beginning, in the uh, earlier parts of this sermon, because he always ties it all together. Verse three, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past The log in your own eye. I remember when I was younger and thinking about that. You know, kids actually have an imagination. And I was like, Daddy, how how does someone have a log in their eye? And he he was like, baby, that's just imagery. You know, he didn't really have it. It's just a figure of speech. Because I was going around trying to figure out how do you get a log in the eye, right? Verse 5, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And I guess we'll go to verse six. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs, they will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Let me just pray for a second. God, I feel you. I'm open. I'm so grateful. give me the words. Thank you. Amen. The title of my talk today is releasing the judgment that binds you. And this is a very powerful segment of scripture because not only is it dealing with spiritual law, it's dealing with a powerful process of healing and transformation. And when you look at what it says here, do not judge others. And I love this way it said, uh, do, uh, judge not lest ye be judged. I've heard that before and it's stuck in my mind. I love when it says that because what it's saying is what goes around, what? Comes around. Or you reap what you what? So, So it's really dealing with spirituality. He's already told us, but this is a deeper one. Because in the other ones, when he's talking about being a hypocrite, and he's talking about um, having, your tre- be, having your treasure and your heart be in heaven, and he's talking about the eyes being the light of the body, and he's saying that you cannot serve two masters. And even further uh, be back, he talks about when you give to give, some people, the, hypo- the Pharisees will give to for show, to show it off. They do their ceremonies, and they will do the traditions, and they do the rituals just for show, not being connected in the heart. And here, he's going deeper. Here, he's moving us to, to some deep spiritual principles. He's saying not to judge someone else because you will be judged. But the kicker here when he talks about the speck in someone's eye is that he's going back to Matthew Chapter 6, verse 22, means talking about your eye is a lamp that provides light over your body. But it's not that part that he's talking about. The part he's talking about is when you go into verse 23, it says, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. The truth is, you can't see a speck in someone else's eye unless your whole body is filled with darkness. Unless you are looking from the un from the unconscious, unhealthy perspective inside of yourself. So there's things that happen inside of us, like um, insecurities. For me, I felt a lot of unworthiness. I felt a lot of insecurities. I had low self-esteem. I had a lot of that stuff inside of me. So it was easy for me to critique it in other people. It was easy for me to see it in other people. And sometimes even now I can still see it, but I don't see it with judgment. And Jesus is not saying not to judge here because there is one of our powers that will be considered judgment and it's wisdom. But he's telling us to shift from a perspective that does not come with condemnation when you judge. He's telling us to come from a different perspective. So if I'm sitting here looking at someone else and pointing a finger at someone, and my daddy used to say, when you point a finger to somebody else, you got, he said four, but it's only three more fingers (laughs) pointing Unless you bring your finger down, but it's still not pointing to you. But, but literally, whatever it is that is inside of you, wherever it is that your consciousness is, wherever it is that your perspective is, wherever your eyes are and wherever you're seeing from the consciousness of God or the consciousness of the world, that's what you will see in the world. And that's what you will see in other people. And if you're caught up in your own stuff, you will find a way to get up caught up in everybody else's stuff too. That's just how life is. That's just how life is. Does anybody know somebody who's always up in other people's business? I I I <laughs> Michael's shaking his head. No. <laughs> I know people who are always up in other people's business. Who even get upset when somebody else isn't doing something, as if it's them, as if the person's doing it to them. If, yeah, people with road rage. People who might be driving too slow, somebody's driving. People when uh, someone else is driving, and even the passenger might get angry <laughs> when the driver's okay. Why are you going so slow? Like, it, it's okay. <laughs> but that's because what happens is when you can put the judgment on someone else, then, then the light's off of you. The judgment's off of us. And there's always a part of us that somehow is judging. There's, there is rarely a time, let me t- just ask you a question before I say rarely a time. Do you think you've ever gone a day in your life where you haven't been irritated, you haven't made a judgment, you haven't seen something that bothered you? A whole 24 hours with nothing, you just in bliss, total bliss. Anybody? Like when you think about it. Maybe, maybe, is there anyone in your life who does sometimes get on your nerves? It isn't mine. Sometimes it gets on my nerves, depending on where I am. If I'm in a, in a strong place with God, it doesn't bother me as much. But when I'm not, it does. There's, it's because the inside of ourselves, God is always working. That Christ is always working to clear up some stuff. And whenever we see something in somebody else that bothers us, it's because in the subconscious realm, in our mind, it's there for us to clean up. And so Jesus says, not to, Jesus says, don't worry about a speck in your friend's eye. Now, again, he's talking about worry. Last week, we talked about how he said, not to worry about your clothes, not to worry about your life, not to worry about the drink. And he, right here again, he's saying not to worry. Because we take our worry out on other people. Not intentionally, but we tend to do it. It's like it kind of it lessens the low, but then also there's a part of us that wants misery uh, Misery loves company. There's a part of us that wants help in that because we always want to experience some kind of oneness. And whatever consciousness you're in, that's where you're going to seek a feeling of oneness. You ever heard of the, the uh, saying, misery loves company? Because we don't want to be in this alone whether it's being in this alone in sadness or whether it's being this alone in joy. We don't want that. We're not created to. And so when we're looking looking at someone else and we see from the perspective of worrying about the other person, what's really going on is God's working with us, but we're not ready to deal with it yet. We're not ready to deal with it yet. So we project on the other person. But it's time for us to deal with it. It's time for us to work through it. It's time for us to get to the other side, which is why Jesus gives us a process on how to move into healing and transformation. He says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own eye? So he's not telling us not to help the person. He's telling us, figure it out for yourself first. Because if you don't, it's the blind leading the blind. We are here to be expressions of God. We are here to guide each other. and We are here to be here for each other. But if you haven't worked through your own stuff, how do you know how to help someone else work through their own? And so he's telling us to go inside and figure it out for ourselves first. Get rid of the log inside of ourselves. The truth is, I, I was talking to um, Reverend Bonnie one day, and this really hit me. And um, at the time, I was looking across the street. And I saw an a, um, office building, it was all glass, and it, I was like, ooh, I like that building. But then I saw the reflection of a tree in front of the building. The tree was huge but the reflection was small when I looked in front of the building. And it made me think about how we are when we judge other people, and there is that speck in their eye. That if, we, if that person represented a reflection of us, and that means they're a mirror, if we'll keep walking up to that mirror, eventually you'll have a life-size version of that speck that is in their eye. And it's you. <laughs> it's you. We have just pushed it back because we're trying to find a way to work towards figuring it out. And Jesus tells us in the last segment what to do. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And so what we do, there's some steps that we can take to work this through. And as I was processing this, I was looking at how do we affect ourselves? Because, you know, when you're going through worrying, when you're going through resentment, when you're going through anger, when you're looking at a speck and judging other people and in a space of condemnation, that energy affects us. Judgment affects us. It's an energy that tears down. It's a discouragement that tears down. It can, and if you're criticizing, that vibration is coming out of your mouth is an amplified power that goes out and comes back. So discouragement And criticism tear down. And God is wanting us to move into encouragement and building up. Now, criticism is okay when there's no condemnation there. We're meant to have some form of criticism so that we can work our way through uh, realigning our minds, realigning our hearts, realigning our behaviors, realigning our beliefs with the consciousness of God. But if it comes in the form of condemnation, it's destructive. It keeps us from being in the present moment. Because every that when you walk up to the... And and you see yourself as the life-size picture in the mirror. As the life-size version of that speck that you are judging. That's years of repeating it over and over and over in our mind. Which is why we can see it in everybody else so quickly. You can pick it up really quickly. And so we are replaying... Things from the past over and over and over again. And when we're judging someone else, we're we're time traveling. We're not in the present moment. The other thing that is, is those insecurities, those worries, those concerns, that condemnation, that judgment becomes our focus and our master. Now we're serving that instead of our thoughts, our our worry, our thoughts, and our um, co creating serving us. The other thing is, it restricts us from having a full quality of life because it limits our mind. Our mind is only focused on those limited things, but the beautiful part is, the more focused it is, the more powerful we can heal and transform. The other thing is that it keeps us distracted from God in the kingdom of righteousness and co-creating those things within us that we are judging in another person. Does that make sense? And so what we're meant to do, what we're guided to do, is to shift our thoughts, to become different. And so as I was meditating on that, okay, God, how do we do what Jesus says when he says, hypocrites, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So he still wants us to help, but not with a form of, of condemnation, with a clean, clear heart. So create in me a clean heart. So I was, as I was sitting with God, I, this um, quote from Gandhi, uh, Mahatma Gandhi came to me. Be the change. What does it say? Be the change that you want to see in the world. So we become the change. That we want to see in other people and in the world. So if I see someone, like for instance, when I'm working with people and they're procrastinating to move forward, and I will get, I used to get (laughs) frustrated, like it's my business. You haven't done it yet? Why are you calling me then? Do you supposed to move forward? I'm criticizing them. And it's some stuff I had not move forward in. There's some clothes that still needed to be folded or whatever, still in the basket in the other room. I could just step over them when I turn around, because the basket's right there. It's stuff that I haven't done that I'm procrastinating on as well. So I had to start taking myself out of the way. If I, if I work with people on something, it's not my business to monitor them and police them to make sure they do what they're supposed to be doing. (laughs) I'm supposed to be working on myself because in me, what I'm realizing is every time I'm helping someone work through something, it's the same thing in me that I'm working through as well. So I have to go through and figure out what is it that I'm working on. So, you seek your, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all righteousness. Like for instance, what do you know that you know that you know about God? Just call out anything. God is always there. God is always good. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. What else? Did you know that you know that you know about God? God is love. And what about how God sees you? Perfect and divine. So when you go through seeking the kingdom of heaven, you don't just sit there waiting for it to come to you. You seek in you seek inside to the things that you know that God knows about you and begin to affirm them about yourself. Does that make sense? Like the Bible says, think about those things that are good. Think about those things that are lovely. Think about those things that are of good cheer, of good rapport, of good praise. So you go inside and you look at yourself and you look at the things that God would praise in you. And then you treasure them up. You ask God to show you how to live as though you know it is so. And the more you sit with God, The more you be, the more you sit with God and the more you trust God, the more you have that relationship with God, the more it eases away. I um, took a long, 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 long time. I think I was in my, was I 42? I was 42. I had, um, it was maybe 10 years I had this posted up, and I still have that posted up, that I was given an assignment, and it, it was to say 50 times a day, I am love." I am loving, I am lovable, I am loved because I did not feel that I was lovable. I didn't feel worthy of love. I didn't feel it at all. And I was told to say that over and over and over again until I got it. And when I turned maybe 42 and I was in the mirror looking at myself saying it, it hit me and I started crying that I finally believed it to be so. I finally believed it to be so before I would criticize people if they let someone walk over them. But I was doing the same thing. I was criticizing people if they were in relationships where they were just doing everything for the other person and not thinking about themselves. But I was doing the same thing. And I had done it for years and years and years. I'd criticize people if they stayed in a relationship they knew that, they weren't, that wasn't healthy for them. But I was doing the same thing. And it wasn't just relationships that were romantic relationships. It was relationships with friends who, um, they weren't romantic, girlfriends, Uh, friends who I would always be given to, and it was not a win-win. But it was hard for me to let go of that relationship until I realized that if you let someone take advantage of you, that does not bless them, nor does it bless you. And then you sit and condemn yourself and and judge the other person and yourself because you're doing it. It's a vicious cycle. That's looking at the speck in their eyes for using me, but then still being in in their life for them to use me. I had to shift me first and get in a place where I changed, you know, before I could even help anyone else. Because, again, it was the blind leading the blind. So that was something I had to really get to and pray with God and ask God to show me the spiritual treasures of my heart, of God's heart that exists in me. And then give yourself. So you go into the kingdom of heaven, which means you go inside with prayer, meditation, sit with God. You pray and ask God to show you those areas in yourself that is the truth about who you are, and then you begin to forgive yourself and let it go. We need help with that sometimes. It took me a minute to let go of some things. And then another way is gratitude. Do you know how it feels good to have gratitude? Or am I the only one? (laughs) It's a tough crowd. (laughs) (laughs) But no, for real, doesn't it feel good when you start searching for the things that you're grateful for? It's reinforcing that feeling. And then you begin to be the change you want to see by living the truth that you know. Now you're ready to help your friend with a speck in their eye. But this is the difference. You don't see it with judgment. You treat them the same way as what you just did. You guide them and pray with them to see God. And as you pray with them to see God, you affirm in them the things that God knows about them and tell it to them as many times as they need to hear it so that they're aligned with it. And then you move them into a space of forgiveness. Now, first you've forgiven yourself for the way you felt about yourself. You also forgave yourself for uh, judging the laws that was in their eye. Now, we teach them the same by showing them that they are loved by God and they're deserving and worthy of forgiveness themselves and to step into forgiveness. Sometimes it may not be easy to do that, but that's what we're here to be, examples of it. And then as we do that, we encourage them to live the truth that they know. Even if they take small steps, what is it? Put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking across the floor. Put one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking out the door. And we're here to be the example and to be encouraging and to help. So we um, help them to seek the kingdom of God. We help them to pray. and We pray with them. We help them to see themselves through the eyes of God. We help them to learn in the space of forgiving themselves. Then we help them to move into gratitude, as we did, and then to live the truth that they know. And then what happens is when you look at other people, We're not looking with the eyes of judgment. We're looking with the eyes of love. We're looking and seeking what to praise people for. We're looking and seeking what to acknowledge and affirm in each other. We're looking and seeking how to be the presence of love, how to see the presence of love, how to express the presence of love, and how to encourage the other to bring it out of them as well. And so now we're not sitting there with the eyes to see through judgment. We're sitting there with the eyes to see through love. That even if a person messes up, Because we've treated ourselves with love, with passion, with uh, gratitude, with grace, and with mercy. That's how we treat other people as well. Does that make sense? So now we've shifted from seeing the person's eye with judgment to shifting and seeing it with love. And now with the criticism or the way that we show, we use constructive criticism. And it's more of an encouragement that builds up instead of a discouragement that tears down. Because we practice it within ourselves. And it's beautiful when you practice in yourself and then you begin to practice with other people because that's how you master it. Now that's your master, the love and expression of the kingdom of heaven, not the judgment and the condemnation that you go out there with to see and to tear everybody down. And that's what we're here to be. And so in this month, as I was thinking about the month, uh, this is Black History Month, as I was thinking about that, and the reason why Black History Month is so important, it's not just to show that African-American people did significant things in the United States and in the world. It's not to convince white people to see us differently and not see us with eyes of superiority. It, 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 and it's not just to try to put in a place of saying, "Okay, now we're better than white people." No. It's to acknowledge that not only have we, that not only did we help create this world as we were brought over as products on plantations and other ways, that we we helped create this world in slavery. It's to show that we did have moments too where we willingly used our God-given gifts and co-created with, with white people in this world, in the United States and in this world. And to walk together in a full expression of brothers and sisters in Christ, celebrating all of our, celebra- our, our inventions, all of the ways that we've helped to create this world, making it more powerful. And there's things that have happened that have shift history forever in both sides. It's not more significant than the other. It's just a different expression of the one God. It's not one race better than the other. It's one human race living together significantly celebrating everything that everyone has done to co-create the United States and the world. Does that make sense? So this is really significant for me. Huh. I don't see myself just standing on the shoulders of my, bro- my ancestors. I see myself taking the baton and continuing, I heard Michael Beckwith, who um, is the senior minister of Agape down in Cal- Agape International, I think, uh, church, he, down in California. And he was saying that we're running a marathon. But as I sat with that thought, I, re- I realized this is more than a marathon that we're running in coming together as beautiful expressions of love. No matter what the race, what the sexual orientation, what the, uh, uh, whatever. It's our job to take the baton and be a more powerful expression of what God created us to be and then pass it on to the next generation, leaving something better than it was before we even got here and took that baton and running even stronger and harder and further than, we, than, they, than our ancestors did and making an even more impact, stronger impact in our hearts, in our relationships in our communities, than what was made before. Taking it and being an amplified expression of it within our hearts and then within the world. And that's why Jesus said to heal yourself first. Remove the log first. And then you're an amplified expression of love that will get someone's attention and encourage them to follow you, to take the baton, to run with you, to create with you, and to be an expression of God with you. And that's what we do here. And I I, I was thinking about how this is the month of strength and perseverance. And I was thinking about how when Unity of Farmington Hills split, there was a remnant that persevered and stood no matter what and co-created some values to follow and a mission to step through. And no matter what was happening, even if someone had to go put money in the bank or whatever to pay the bills, that you persevered and you did not give up. You did not give up. And you not only did not give up, you stayed in the consciousness of being a div- diverse church. I wouldn't have come to a church that wasn't diverse. I knew I was meant to be here when I walked in here and felt the love and the heart on how I was created, not just oh um, patronizing me because I'm a black woman, but because I am a child of God, I was hugged and celebrated and loved for that. And that love made me want to just be here even more. And that's how people feel when they come in here. They just feel love and they feel welcoming and they, and they feel the loving spirit of this church. When you walk in this sanctuary, you can feel it in this sanctuary and the music they that you all seem just stirs it up more powerfully, that you want to be spheres- filled and you empower everybody who you come across. That's healing the speck in your eye. You shifted everything that split the church so that you could create something more powerful and step forward. You took that baton as Barbara left, and you went further with it. It only took us five months when I got here in 2019 for us to get out of the black and become prosperous. Five, huh? Out of the red. (laughs) Oh, out of the red. Thank you. The wording is powerful, but that's important to know. It's important to know. I celebrate you. My heart is encouraged by this church, and when I hear more and more about the stories of what you all went through before I came, I see the tenacity that I want to continue to be a part of. I see the huge heart and the huge perseverance and the huge commitment and the huge honesty, transparency, and vulnerability to step into this and truly, truly make something. And it encourages me so much. It inspires me so much. And I'm grateful to be the minister of this church. I've never been so proud to take on a position that so much fits me and have relationships with people that fit me. Being here heals the judgment that binds me. Because it keeps putting me in a place where I have to be it in me in order to share with you, to let God flow through me honestly and share with you. And I honestly think that we're going to make a powerful change in this world. I honestly think it. I believe it with all my heart. We may be a small people, but we are going to make a big impact. The last piece, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. There are people in this world who don't want to hear us. The insurrection showed it. So we don't try to convince them by sharing our message, the message of unity. Because what it says is they'll take the, the, it won't be important to them. It won't be valuable to them. They will throw it, uh, uh, trample the pearls which is our our message, and turn on us and attack us. But there is a way that we can demonstrate it, and that's by living the truth that we know and to know the truth even more powerfully every single day to be a more powerful expression of it, that the moment we see something, we we hit the floor in heaven praying. We become a vibration of love and send it out in the world. That we step into nonviolent protest by stepping into powerful expressions of love. That we amp it up these va- values and amp it up walking and being that, that that's what we see in people's lives. And that's what we shift into. That we don't have to t- prove anything, convince anybody. We just live the truth that we know. I am part of the, of the uh, can't even say the word. A diverse church that is welcoming, loving, spirit-filled, and empowering. And I see it in each and every one of you. And I am blessed to be a part of this community. And as, they, as our music team comes up, let me just close out in prayer. Mother, Father, everything God, as we close out this message and prepare to leave this church, this service. We know that we take you with us. We take this message with us. And we thank you for showing us how to live it and be a big bang in this world of love. In the mighty name and nature, we pray. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, all.
2: Journey
1: Amen. Amen. Wow. That was the perfect song for today's talk. Thank you, Lauren. I mean, Laurel. Thank you all for that. It was beautiful. Um, Let us go ahead and take a deep breath. gently close our eyes. Bring to mind what you feel led to give for a donation to Unity of Farmington Hills. And now let us go ahead and open our eyes and affirm our divine, our love offering blessing together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I have all that I give and all that I receive. Thank you, God. Amen. And you know to go online and do your donations online. You can mail them into Unity of Farmington Hills. And um, uh, I'm so full. I'm just so full. So anyway, it's on the screen. <laughs> um, whoever it is that you may be praying for today, I'm not going to go into a long prayer. Just know that God is working in their lives just like God is working in your lives. And I thank you, God, for knowing that and for affirming that and claiming that. Amen. Let's go ahead and affirm our prayer for protection together. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is and all is well. And now we'll sing our peace song. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. I'll be in there with you in the Zoom in a little bit. Peace and blessings.
0: Thank you for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but would still like to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page, unityfh.com slash donate.